This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. The book of Daniel chapter 3, and we are drawing a conclusion today to the sermon series that we have been preaching on the changing seasons of life. And uh, when we began this series, today counting the 11th Sunday, it's hard to believe, but the first message in this series was entitled, How Quickly Seasons Change, or How Quickly Things Change in Our Life. The second sermon in the series was the season of temptation, having dealing with those particular issues. Sermon number three was the changing season of failure. We all know what it's like to fail in our life and not achieve goals and to have setbacks that sometimes catastrophically affect us. Sermon number four was the changing season of depression. And that sermon was actually a four-part sermon. The one after that was the changing season of aging. Most of us are going through that in a dramatical way today. And then the message was entitled, The Changing Season or The Season of Waiting on God. Waiting on God actually turned into a two-part sermon. And so today I'm going to be speaking on the last sermon in this series, and that's the season of being overwhelmed. And uh, so today's message makes 11 sermons in this particular series. And let me say this right off the bat, that being overwhelmed is usually not a 24-hour bug. And I want you to think about this because I believe there are a lot of spiritual truths in today's message that will certainly give you insight and help you uh, in these daily struggles and trials. And uh, there are many scriptures that I could have used this morning for the main text, but I think perhaps this is probably one of the best ones, and it's found in the book of Daniel chapter 3. I love the Old Testament, and I love how it significantly walks in harmony with the new. I want you to look at this in Daniel chapter 3. I want to read for you this most familiar story, and I want to begin with verse number 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods? No, worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the palstry, the simmer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, but if you not worship, or if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? First, let me say this, and what I'm reading to you right now is not a fairy tale. This literally happened. 
And because it literally happened, here's what you need to be reminded of on occasion. That the Bible that you hold in your hand is not a figment of God's imagination. The Bible that you hold in your hand today is the literal word of God. It is the word. The Bible says that all scripture is given to us by the inspiration of God. And so none of this is given to us for amusement, for entertainment. All of this is true. It is the true, literal word of God. Now, when you get to this, look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Look at verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able. Have you found God able? In your moments of desperation, have you found God to be true? Have you found him able? The word says he's exceedingly able to do all that we ask. Never question God's ability. He is able. Now look at this. To deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury and the form of his visage, that means his countenance. When I read this word visage, it reminds me of what Isaiah said about the Lord Jesus on the day of his crucifixion. The Bible says this, according to the prophet Isaiah, that his visage, and he was prophesying now 750 years before Jesus was ever born in Bethlehem of Judea. When Isaiah the prophet said that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. What he was saying along the lines of the crucifixion, Isaiah said that his visage, his face, his countenance was so marred that no man would know him. That means that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was beaten beyond human recognition. You look at this passage of scripture. The form of his visage was changed, his countenance. Against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to take this furnace into overdrive. I want this furnace to do all that it can. And look at this. And he commanded in verse 20, the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I, I wonder about that just for a little bit because these were not going to be difficult men to deal with. I believe these men knew that their God was able. They knew what he was capable of. And so they did not need these mighty men to drag them to the furnace, and then notice, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, you talk about being in a place where they were boxed in. Where could they go? 
what could they do? You talk about being in a place where they were overwhelmed. Now listen carefully. These were great men of the Bible. Because when Nebuchadnezzar had first of all made that degree, he gave the instructions at the sound of the music. I want everybody to fall on their face. I want everybody to bow down on their knees. And I want everybody to worship this image that I have set up. And when the music began to play, can you imagine now in the plain of Dura, this golden image is erected probably like an Egyptian pyramid. The Bible gives the specifications of it, but listen carefully. When, when the music began to play, can you imagine the tens upon thousands of people falling on their knees, falling on their face? in these desert sands, in this plain of Dura. Can you imagine all the commotion that the dust kicked up? And I'm sure that when the music started to play and tens upon thousands of people fell down upon their knees and they were in the mode of worship of this golden image, I'm sure that from that movement of so many people, that the dust from the ground just began to ascend up into the sky. And I'm sure that Nebuchadnezzar, he, he rears back and he's looking with his human eyes, no binoculars, human eyes, over this incredible multitude of people. And as that dust goes up, I'm sure he beat his chest and said to himself, look at this. Have you ever seen anything like this? Maybe he's speaking to his servants, his military people. And then all of a sudden, the dust begins to settle. And when the dust settles, there are three Hebrew boys still standing. And I'm sure that when he saw this, not only did he feel humiliated that he did not have a hundred percent participation, but it infuriated him. How dare these boys to insult me in front of so many people? And so Nebuchadnezzar now, he says, I'm not going to have this. I'll give them one more chance. And so here's the thing, you know the story. If there was ever a place and ever a story in the word of God about God's people being boxed in, nowhere to go, nowhere to move, no room to wiggle. You see, the mighty men had been commanded to take them to the furnace that was seven times hotter than normal. And so let me say this that as spiritual as Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were, and as much as they loved God and served God with the prophet Daniel, you can take all the spirituality that any human being can possess in the human frail body 
I'm talking about the most spiritual of spiritual of people. And you put them in a situation like this. Let me remind you of something. Because of the human nature that we have and the human bodies that we live in and the physical pain that we suffer and the emotional toil that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, let me say this without reservation. There's no doubt in my mind that when these men were leading Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace, even though those boys knew that God was able to deliver them, there's no doubt in my mind their knees were knocking almost them to death. Because there is the element, these men were not people without emotions. It's just like this when Jesus was dying on the cross. Do not ever think that he did not feel the pain because he was Jesus of Nazareth. Remember this, that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the Bible says he suffered in all points. Think about this. When they beat him, he felt the pain. He felt the suffering. He felt the agony. There was nothing about Jesus that eliminated the pain just because he was Jesus. Every strand of hair on his beard that they plucked, he felt that pain. When they spat upon him, he felt that moisture coming upon his face. When they beat him with the cat of nine tails, whipping the flesh off of his back, he felt every stroke of that whip. When they drove those nails in his hands and his feet, when they placed that crown of thorns upon his head, he felt all of that just because he was Jesus did not eliminate the element of pain. And likewise, these were great men of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But no matter their greatness, no matter how much they loved God, they were still human beings. And they were being led into a fiery furnace. Have you ever been to a Japanese restaurant and they're doing all of that cooking and egg turning and flipping the tools and all this stuff and then all of a sudden they spray on the table and light the match? Have you you felt that? You know what I'm talking about? Well, here, listen carefully. You think about... You think about how when you turn, and I've seen babies sit at tables when that takes place and they cry and they kick and they squirm and because of the heat, is it? You think about going into something like this, fiery furnace, heated seven times hotter. And the Bible says that they had this in their heart. If God, we know he's able, But if God does deliver us out of this and all, it's it's wonderful. But if he doesn't, it's still wonderful. I remember Richard Vaughn, Pat, telling me this in the vestibule. He had terminal cancer, not long to live. And I asked him this question. He was sitting out there in a chair under the television, and I asked him this question. I said, Richard, how are you feeling right now? This is what he said to me. I'll never forget it. He said, I don't know what God's going to do, but this is what I do know. 
that if he takes me, okay, if he heals me, okay. But he said this, he said, but pastor, I'm a winner either way. I'm a winner either way. And so this morning, I want to speak on this subject. When you feel boxed in, when you feel overwhelmed, you don't know what God's doing, how to respond. What can you do as a believer in these desperate moments of your life? And so the morning message is this, the season of being overwhelmed. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you felt that you were overwhelmed? I'm talking about in the season of life where you felt like that you were overwhelmed, where you felt as though that you were praying the same prayer over and over and over again. Have you ever been there? I mean, you've prayed the same prayer for weeks or you prayed the same prayer for months. Maybe you felt like you were saying something like this, dear God in heaven, it's me again. Maybe you said, and I wish I had something, Lord, different to talk to you about today. I wish I had something else to say to you, but that's not the case. I'm here today, Lord, talking to you about the same thing that I was talking to you about yesterday. In fact, God, nothing has changed. In fact, you know more about the circumstance than I know, and I realize that there are absolutely no progress reports to give today. Lord, I was here yesterday. I am back here today, and if necessary, I will be back here tomorrow, and I will be talking to you about the same thing because, God, I realize this, that in my desperation, in these moments of me feeling overwhelmed, Lord, it's been days, it's been weeks, it's been months. Lord, I'm here today talking to you because I have absolutely no one else to talk to. And I realize this, that even if I did, in my circumstance, in my desperation, there is nobody on the face of this earth that could help me like I need you to help me right now. Somebody may be in that spot right now this morning. You, you might be able to identify with what I'm talking about and if that's the case, I want to share something with you today. By the way, this is not the kind of text that you preach from a seminary. This is the kind of text that you preach when you feel like you're in a cemetery. This is, I want you to understand that I'm talking about when you feel like you've had trouble on every side of your life, where you feel like that you cannot think anymore, where you feel like you cannot sleep anymore, where you've lost all your natural desires or abilities, your appetite. I'm talking about everything about you is going south. And you feel so overwhelmed and you feel like you're boxed in. But this is what I personally have found out in times like these. I'm out, yes, I've been there. I've been in those situations in my life, but listen carefully. When you get into a place of your life where you feel that you are boxed in and the furnace has been heated seven times hotter, it's not just a little thing. I'm talking about you've been there for days and weeks and months. Listen carefully. That When you get into a place like that in your life, that's when you find out just how real your relationship with God really is. Maybe there's somebody here today in that place who knows exactly what it's like to be in that kind of spot I'm talking about when you've experienced so much turmoil in your life that there is absolutely no single solitary place for you to move. You're boxed in. You feel overwhelmed. 
You have no idea how the circumstance is going to turn out. I'm positive that these three Hebrew children had to have felt like that. They did not know. Now listen carefully. A lot of people have to agonize in the belly of the whale of the unknown for a long period of time, not knowing what was around the corner, not knowing what the doctor was going to say, not knowing what was going to be beyond the final 30-day notice and those types of things. For some, the pain of not knowing consumes them with torment. I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about anxiety and desperation. In fact, that was the kind of case that King Saul of the Old Testament found himself in. In fact, Saul's life wasn't ending like it started. I want you to see this in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and I want to read quickly for you verses 3 through 9. They will get these scriptures on the screen for you in an expedient manner. But I want you to notice 1 Samuel chapter 28, beginning in verse 3. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Think about that. Think about what Saul's doing here and what he's about to do. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. Now look at this. Saul, he had just put away all the familiar spirits and the wizards, all the fortune tellers all the witches, look at this. I I, I don't get it. And the Bible says, by the way, Saul was the first king of Israel. Now notice this in verse number five, because now he's in a place where he is looking out across the battlefield and he sees that he is surrounded. He is overwhelmed. He's boxed in. Look at this. In verse 5, and when Saul saw the hall, when he saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and in his heart he greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Okay, now here's the thing that I want you to remember. When you, and we talked about this in the sermon, two sermons, two Sundays, on the season of waiting on God. When God's When you're in a place where you're needing God to speak and God doesn't speak like this, don't give up on God. Be still and know that I am God, the word says. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Saul got impatient with God. And as a result of doing that, look, and it blows my mind compared to what verse number three just said. But look at this. In verse 7, then said Saul unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. Now he just condemned it. He just put them away. He just banned it and abolished it. But when Saul got into a place where he was boxed in and he was overwhelmed, he did the very thing that he did away with. Saul said unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. 
What he was saying is, he said, listen, this is, this is incredibly bad. The situation is overwhelming. The Philistines has us boxed in. I don't know what's going to happen. I've tried to talk to God. God's not responding to me. God's not speaking to me. And I cannot deal with this. I've got to know what's going to happen in the battle. And so he says, find me a witch. Find me a fortune teller. Find me a sorcerer. Find me somebody that can look into the crystal ball and tell me what's going to happen. He said that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said unto him, behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit. And he's talking about the witch of Andor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment and went in. Notice this. And two men with him and they came to the woman by night. And he said unto thee, I pray thee, oh my goodness gracious. Saul, who had been anointed the first king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. He's now in a place where after that anointing, after many great battles and many great victories. Listen, that's why I said it's not ending like it started. Saul now having the anointing of God on his life through the prophet Samuel. Now... Saul is saying, I don't have time to deal with God anymore. He's not talking to me. He's not answering me. The Philistines are growing in number by the day. I've got to know what to do. I've got to know what's going to happen. And so he says, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit. Saul was saying, look into your crystal ball and and prophesy. Look into your crystal. Look at your cards. Read my palm. Look, look into the stars. Tell me what's going to happen. Whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and, and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou snare for my life to cause me to die? Saul It's no secret what you've done. You have put everybody in my profession out of business. Now look at you. You are sitting in my tent. You're sitting in my dwelling. And you want me to do the very thing that you have banned and outlawed. You see, the unknown, the unknown for Saul had got so bad that he could not bear it. And so he resorted into a witch to tell his future. Saul felt like he was boxed in and felt he had no place to turn. So overwhelmed that he had to move outside of the realm of God. And by the way, that's exactly what the devil wants to make us think in certain seasons of our life. By the way, the devil's real. Don't underestimate him. By the way, the devil is just as real as God is real. Hell is just as real as heaven. Demons are just as real as angels. This is what the devil wants to make us think in certain seasons of our life. Let me ask you this question. What would be affected in your relationship with the Lord if the devil were to make you think that your life has now come to a screeching halt, that your life is boxed in, that he's got you into a place where you are in a panic mode, you don't know what's going to happen. And believe me, the devil will play on your mind. 
The devil will affect our emotions. The devil does pluck our heartstrings. Don't underestimate that. And listen carefully. If the devil has made you feel, maybe you're in that spot right now. You're saying, preacher, you're preaching to me. And I may be preaching to hundreds of people on the internet right now. Listen, if the devil has made you feel that you have nowhere to turn and that you have no prayers left to pray and that you have no scriptures left to read, no scriptures left to claim, that there is no mercy left within your reach, that the well of grace has run dry. Listen, how would that affect your relationship with God if the devil made you think and feel all of those things? You see, Job was boxed in like that. He was overwhelmed, talking about being overwhelmed. Listen, God allowed the devil to afflict him in every area of his life. The only limitation that God put on Satan was the fact that he could afflict him in every imaginable way. He just couldn't kill him. Job was in a situation where he had nowhere to turn. He was boxed in. He had lost every possession of his life. He had lost his children. He had lost the support of his wife. Yet, In this most desperate and difficult place that he was in, Job knew that his Redeemer still was on the throne. And it might have been bad on the earth, but Job knew that it was perfect in heaven. Job reared back on the hot coals of his life and said, in Job chapter 13 and verse number 15, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. I would like to think this, and I don't know, because you don't know what you would do unless you get into a certain situation. Don't ever be like Simon Peter and say, I would never do that. Some people, they throw rocks at at Peter because they say, why in the world would he do? Why would he go to cussing? Why would he go to swearing? Why would he deny the Lord Jesus? I would never do that. Listen, friend, you don't know what you would do. In the time of testing, in the time of trouble, in the time of trial, none of us know. Don't ever put yourself in a place where you think more of yourself than what you ought to, the scripture says. How do you look at this? I would like to think that in all of my trials and all of my afflictions in my personal life, And everything that I've learned and experienced over the last 40 years in the ministry, I would like to think this, that if I had the opportunity to go back and do it all over again, I would like to think that I would. But none of us know what we would do. So here's the thing that I want you to think about. One of the most beautiful things about the Bible is this. I can take this book this morning, the word of God, the cherished word of God, the precious word of God. I can take this Bible this morning. I can take this book today and I can show you in the scripture how the story ends. You can look on the television today, you can read the newspaper, you can hear all the stuff across the internet. And this world, listen, a fool would even be able to tell that this old world's in bad shape. 
Everywhere we turn, we find all kinds of commotion and we sit back maybe at the breakfast table. We're talking about it in the car. We talk about it among our friends. How in the world could the world be in such a a degraded mess as it is in right now? We wonder how in the world. And then we say, could it get any worse? But we know that it does. But I can tell you this. I can take the Bible, the word of God. I can hold it in my hands. And I will tell you that even though this world is in a mess and it continues to get worse. I can take this Bible and show you how it all ends. Can somebody say amen? I can take this Bible today and I can show you how Jesus Christ is coming back for us again one day. John 14, three says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. I can take this Bible today and show you in the scriptures. Listen carefully. He said, if I go, look at that, I will come again. I can take this Bible today and I can show you that when he comes again, according to the word of God, all who die in Christ will receive a glorified body. The word says in Philippians 3.21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things himself. I can take this Bible today and I can show you the promise in the word of God how that we are given up the promise of a glorious reunion with our loved ones when we die and when the rapture takes place the word says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning that which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him I can take this Bible this morning and I can show you how that God in the very end is going to wipe away all tears from our eyes and Revelation chapter 21 in verse number four, the Bible says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. I can take the word of God today and I can show you how that the devil is going to be cast into hell forever. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10, the Bible says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever. Listen, I can take this Bible and I can show you how that the last enemy is going to be destroyed and that last enemy is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Listen, I can take this Bible and I can show you that we are given given the promise that we, when we die as believers, will be with the Lord forever. First Thessalonians 17, 4, 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I can take this Bible and show you how the story began, and I can take the Bible and show you how the story ends, but what I cannot do is take this Bible and show you all about what's in between. I cannot do that. There's a lot of stuff in between. 
Now, I want you to think about this this morning. I'm talking about the place in the middle. I'm talking about the place where your faith is tried. I'm talking about most of the time. I mean, listen carefully. We come to a place when we feel that we're threatened or we're trapped. A time when we feel like we're boxed in, we're overwhelmed. But remember this, the seasons of our life are constantly changing. Sometimes it seems when we're finally, have you ever felt like this? It seems like when you're finally getting the grip on something, something comes completely out of nowhere. I mean, when you finally feel like, okay, you're, you're taking a good step forward and you've heard the old saying, then you feel like you're taking a few steps backwards, but something completely comes out of nowhere, comes our way. Things change so quick. I mean, listen carefully. One minute, we're in the season to laugh. Another minute, we're in the season to mourn. Another minute, we're in the time to plant. Another moment, we're in the time to pluck up. I mean, we can look at the beginning of the story and then we can look at the ending of the story, but I will tell you this, it's the middle part where we struggle. It's the middle part of our lives that causes us excessive frustration because it's in this season that we feel that we have lost control over the things in our life. But I want you to learn this great spiritual truth today. I'm talking about when you feel like you're overwhelmed and you feel like you're boxed in, learn this spiritual truth this morning. Remember this, sometimes God allows us to get boxed in or sometimes God allows us to get overwhelmed in our lives at certain seasons in our lives in order to confirm or to confine us to the fact that there is absolutely no one else to turn to but him. Now I'm so thankful that sometimes God deliberately increases our longing for him. In Psalms 107 in verse number nine, the Bible says, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So listen carefully. Whenever you feel like you're boxed in or overwhelmed, God just might be saying to you, you've tried your best to fill your life with all kinds of substitutes. You've tried to satisfy your longing, the innermost longing of your soul with every cheap substitute that comes down the highway. But God may be saying this, but I'm going to put you in a spot where you're going to realize that cheap substitutes will not work. I'm going to put you in a spot where you realize that, hey, it's me and only me that can satisfy your soul. God may be saying, I want you boxed in right now because it's the only way that I can get your undivided attention. And now God may be saying, if that's the case, and God does, you feel like you're pressed up against the wall. You feel like you're in the fiery furnace. There's nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. And God may be saying, okay, now that I have your attention, God may be saying, look to me, listen to me, turn to me. I want you to feel me. I want you to fellowship with me. And listen carefully, a lot of times when that happens, we don't look at the situation as an opportunity. In fact, when, whenever God does allow that season in our life to take place, the first thing we want to do is challenge it. You've seen football games when the coach 
doesn't agree with the referee and he reaches in his pocket and he throws that red flag on the, on the field. And by that gesture, he's saying, I don't agree with that call. I think we need to talk about this. I think we need an instant review. Here's the thing. Sometimes when things don't go our way in life, one of the things we want to do with God is to throw the red flag at him and say, hey, I don't agree with this. But sometimes God intentionally wants us boxed in. Sometimes intentionally God may want us to feel overwhelmed. And by the way, when he does, when you think he's meant that to bully you or to be bad or to be evil with you, listen, God really means it. When, if ever God puts us against the wall, if ever God puts us in a place where we're boxed in, if God's doing it, God only means it for good. Listen very carefully. If you feel like you're in a place where you're boxed in and you're overwhelmed, you have nowhere to turn, don't keep going back to the same old things that do not work because that will only make life worse. Listen, sometimes God can't get glory out of our life until he puts pressure on our life. When you get boxed in and overwhelmed and you get finally get tired of running from him and you feel like your insides are about to explode, let me encourage you to fall down like Job did and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And see what surrender will really do for you. When you are ready to do that and cry out from the genuine depths of your soul, okay, Lord, I'm ready now. You've got my attention. Fill me. Speak to me. Thy servant heareth. I once was blind, but now I see. God, get me out of the belly of this well. Here I am. You are the God of my salvation. You are the rock of my fortress. You are my deliverer, my strength. You are my buckler. You are my shield. You are my high tower. You are my refuge, God. You are my everything. Then listen carefully. Let me encourage you to rear back in those desperate times of your life when you feel consumed and overwhelmed and you feel that you're boxed in that season of laughter that season of joy, that season of contentment has changed. Listen carefully. When God puts you up against the wall, when God makes you feel like you're in the fiery furnace, when God makes you feel like that you're boxed in, step back and say, okay, God, I get this. If this is the tight place you want me to be in, if this boxed in place is good, and if this boxed in place is as good as it gets, then God, listen carefully. I'm determined determined to press on. I'm determined to look positive with a loud voice and still seeing of the mercies of the Lord. While our musicians come forward, I want to encourage you to do something now. Listen carefully. Everything about us God only wants our good. God wants our best. He wants our love. He wants our loyalty. He wants our heart. He wants our surrender. And when we are willing to give him all of these things, listen, God's willing to show up. And here's the thing that I want to leave you with today. Though many times we have failed God, he has never failed us.
Never. So God may be putting us in the season of feeling boxed in and overwhelmed because right now, this may be the only way at this particular time in our life where God can get our attention. And let me close by saying it's so much better to give God our attention than for him to get it. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.